Thank you, Pastor John. And I want to take just a second to say thank you to Clayton and Leslie and Miss Barbara for all the work that they've done to make these online productions possible. Uh, this has been an exercise in flexibility and ingenuity, and they have passed with flying colors. So thank you for all you've done. And thank you, Word Serve Nation, for continuing to join us, to support us, to pray for us, and to keep this uh, great idea of preaching and teaching the word while serving the world alive, even in the midst of a global pandemic. Let's face it, that's when we need it the most, right? So today we are ramping up our sermon series called Just Jesus. Let me show you where we've been. I love this graphic because it points out that while we travel through life, if we travel absent of Jesus' guidance, it gets to be a swirled mess. In fact, we can get lost. We may never find our way out. But when Jesus enters the equation, although there are ups and downs and fits and starts, it all moves towards a purpose, towards a defined goal. And that goal is that we become more Christ-like and that we spend eternity with the Father, among other things. So where have we been in this series? We have talked about uh, completion how God will finish the work that he has started in us. We've talked about the true definition of humility. Last week, Pastor John talked about perseverance. Today, we're talking about peace. But here's the catch. We want to be just like Jesus. But this entire series is not about historical Jesus. This series comes from the book of Philippians. And so what this series represents is Jesus alive in us. And as he lives in us, we become a representative to the world of what Christ is like. And that becomes an attractional model for bringing people into the faith so that they too can benefit from the fruit of the Spirit, from eternal life with the Father and all the other good gifts that come from above. So on with today's deal. I mentioned earlier on that wouldn't it be wonderful that this was a world full of people that had deep peace peace that passes understanding that God's peace, not the human manufactured peace, but real, true, deep peace. Imagine how different this world would be. I wanted that for everyone. I wanted it for myself to start with, but then when I figured out how that kind of starts to work, and let me put a caveat in here, I am not a perfect person of peace, but I'm trying to become a person of perfect peace through his power and not mine. So I come to you as a person who is in this process, not who has it all together, and I want to share this journey with you. But let me tell you what I found. I discovered this verse that seems to describe the magic formula. And here it is. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians. Here's what he says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Doesn't that sound wonderful? I mean, basically what we've done here is that we have discovered a magic formula that will make us a person of perfect peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding and which will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And, and here is the magic formula. Prayer plus petition, plus thanksgiving, equal peace. That's it. That's how simple it is. That's all we have to do. And I could probably say amen, and let's just go home. But let me tell you my personal experience with this. It doesn't work. What? What did Bill say? Yeah, it, this doesn't work. 
Now I know what you're thinking, Bill, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to say things like that. You're taking Paul's words and saying that that's not true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying this formula does not work. And if you don't believe me, look at your own experience. When have you prayed for something to take your anxiety away, only to wake up the next day and have that anxiety right back? When have you asked God for something and not gotten it? And then you get back into that anxiety mode where you're, you're wanting that one thing and you want it so bad and it's not coming and you don't have peace. See, if that's true for you, it's certainly been true for me, then this formula doesn't work. So did I not ask right? Maybe I didn't pray right. So, so what I do is I go and I study all the various forms of prayer, the Acts model, the Five Fingers model, the, the, all the other models. And, and uh, you know, God bless you if, if you can do that. But I've done that. And it still didn't change this formula. It didn't work. And I didn't find peace. Well, maybe it's how I ask. I have to ask in the right language, like King James English, or I have to ask for something that is totally selfless and doesn't involve me at all. Um, and maybe it's the way that I ask. But you know, I've changed the way I asked, and it still didn't bring me peace. Ah, so I forgot to put Thanksgiving in there. Maybe that was it. Um, hmm, I tried that too. Still didn't work. How about you? Are you at peace? Have you tried prayer plus petition plus thanksgiving and come up empty? Well, I, I think we have a solution. So please don't stop here. Please don't walk away from this because here's why this is so important. If we can find the way to this peace, then life will truly be different like our tagline says. But if we can't and we too pass this on as the model and it doesn't work, then here's the, here's the hazard of this. I've seen people actually abandon their faith because this formula did not work for them. That's the worst case scenario. There's a lesser case scenario where people just go, you know, maybe something's not quite right or maybe I'm not doing it right. So I'll just settle. I'll just settle for a man-made contentment. I'll settle for putting a smile on my face and looking like I'm filled with joy when I'm really not. I'll, I'll fake the peace and, and maybe I'll fake it till I make it and it'll come at some point later. And then it doesn't. And these people either burn out and leave the faith or they're hollow models of Christ. They're not a model of Christ that brings any glory whatsoever to the real Christ. Here's what I want for us. I want us to have that peace. I want us to be those people that are so different that it stands out. And especially in times like this, people of peace are needed. I don't need to tell you that. But here's the thing. This was written by Paul. Paul is talking about this peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guards his heart and mind. If anybody deserved peace, it would be Paul, because he prayed, he asked, he gave thanks more than any person I know. But if you know anything about the historical Paul, I don't understand how he could write this stuff. I mean, it gets worse before it gets better. If you know anything about the life of Paul, you know that he had a thorn in his flesh. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but there was something that was really bothering him. He prayed to God three times, God, please take this thorn in my flesh away from me. And you know what God did? He didn't take it away. You know, Paul prayed. He asked, petitioned. 
Paul gave thanks all the time. I mean, just read any of his epistles and you'll see they're filled, they're dripping with thanks. But he didn't have that piece of that thorn being taken. And yet he still writes about it. This is the same Paul who was beaten and left for dead. He was shipwrecked. Uh, he was put in prison. In fact, he is writing this letter. He penned these very words while in prison. How is it that he can do that? Is he just not right in the head? He, he writes about this peace that passes understanding and, and all the benefits that that gives him. And yet his life is filled with circumstances that I can't even comprehend in this day and age. It's that same Paul that says he can be content no matter what. And he can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. He actually says that in the same letter. All while experiencing all of this negativity. I don't see how that's possible. So what is it that Paul is not telling us? See, here's what I think it is. He has this ability to look beyond the current circumstance. He has this laser ability to center on one thing and one thing alone. I love this picture because, I mean, look at the guy on the left. The, the guy on the right is supposed to be Paul, right? He's you know looking up to the Father and focusing on the Father. And this guy on the left just has this look on his face like, of all the schmucks I could have been shackled up with, I get this guy, right? But in reality, this is Paul sharing with someone else how to be that person who experiences God's peace, the peace that passes understanding. There's no way that there should be peace in this circumstance. I mean, look at it. They're in prison. They've got rats. They've, their feet are shackled. How could you find peace here? And yet Paul does. And not only does Paul find it, Paul teaches someone else how to experience it as well. Here's what I, I learn as I, I dig into this. When you look at the way that the peace is described in Greek, Irene, is to set at one again. I apologize for my picture blocking that out, but it, it literally means to set at one again, meaning that we have not been at one with something. When what is that? Well, here's what it is. It's not being at one with God. Something has knocked us out of that relationship, out of that priority. And so we don't experience that peace that passes understanding. Our world becomes shattered and splintered and broken, and we begin to chase many other things except for the one thing that will give us peace. If you don't remember anything else, here's the bumper sticker I would like you to take away from today. God's peace is about centering, not splintering. Let me say that again. God's peace is about centering, not splintering. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that there's a lot of things that are competing for our attention and to God. They, they tend to drive, to drive wedges. They tend to splinter us and tear us apart so that we become weak. But if we experience God's peace, Irene, we are set as one, one with the Father, and we become strong again. That's how we experience a peace that passes understanding that peace that the world cannot give you and the world cannot take away from you. That's a peace worth pursuing. So let me do an illustration, you know, and, and I'm going to stop the screen so that I can get back to my high-tech display here. You know, I, I thought about trying to find something really fancy and that would look good on camera, and you know what I settled for? 
uh, I didn't settle for, I actually arrived at is a better way to say it. I wanted to do this with a common everyday object so that you, as you explain it to other people, can teach other people how to be an every uh, a person of God's peace, the peace that passes understanding. And so I'm going to use a pen. So here's the deal. As we go through life and we are rooted in the ground here, this is, this is us and we are at one. Look, it makes the number one right there. I'm going to put this out here so it's not in front of my face. So here's the thing. Life starts to come at you, or, or if you're more sinister and love conspiracy theories that the enemy does, and I believe that there, there are both natural life circumstances and deliberate attacks, but here's what happens. Something knocks you just a little off center, and it becomes a, a, a challenge of our will and our strength to try and right ourselves back up. But here's the thing. We've got gravity working against us, so as we get knocked off the center, the next time it's a little easier to get knocked off the center, and, and easier and easier. And none of these are fatal blows, right? It's just a little bit at a time. But what happens is it gets harder and harder to muster the energy to drag ourselves back upright. So what happens is typically we get about here and we just get tired of the fight. Understand that peace, God's peace happens in this alignment and we are not at peace right now. But here's where people go uh, typically. And I know this because I've been there. I just kind of settle. I say, I'm one of those people I described earlier. It's like, I, I don't exactly get this, but this is as good as it's going to get, and, and I'll just deal with it, and this is where I'll settle. The problem is that if this were something that's growing, right, what direction is it going to grow in? It's not going to grow in the direction of God's peace. It's going to grow worse. And as you get farther and farther out this way, you're farther and farther from God's perfect peace. Now, typically, two things will happen. Either, the, either that happens, or you get to the point where you've been knocked around by life so much that our grasp cannot hold anymore. And not only are we not per people of God's peace, we've been destroyed. We've been crushed. Or we've been, we, we've given up. So, it points out our, our limited strength, and, and there are many things that attempt to splinter us. It might be just the simple busyness. I don't have time to focus here. I've got so many things. This is what I think is the most common for us, because if you think about it, if this is a picture of a tent peg driven into the ground, right? If you've ever been camping or if you've ever put a tarp or a volleyball net or something out, you've driven the stake into the ground, what do you do when you try to get that stake out and it won't come out just by simply pulling? You rattle it around and then all of a sudden it's loose and before you know it, boop, it's out. This is what life does to us. It rattles us around and, and makes it loose and makes us crooked and makes it easy to remove ourselves completely from what we are intended to be. Social media does that as well as we begin to compare ourselves to others. And of course, nobody puts the bad stuff online or it's always the good stuff or the wonderful life that they have that I don't have, or the things that they have that I don't have, or the kids that they have that I don't, you get the idea. And pretty soon we're being buffeted about, we suffer from comparisonitis and we have no peace. So what gives with this? We're splintered, we're off track, we're not centered. So what's the answer? That's probably the more important question. What's the answer here? Well, the answer is stronger willpower. 
You just have to hold tight. No, that doesn't work. How do I know? Because I tried that. Um, the, the, the answer is just suck it up and, and no matter how many times you get knocked down, you get back up. Doesn't work either. I've seen people who are absolutely broken who at one point have had more willpower than any person I know and were stronger than any person I know that could not get back up. It's tragic to behold. There must be a, a better way. And, and here's what it is. If you go back and, and look, here's, here's what we're trying to do. Here's what Paul is telling us to do by prayer and petition. That's talking to God. And that's not just talking to God. Prayer is also listening to God. So if you're wondering if you're doing it right, talk to God. How often? Without ceasing every moment of every day. Ask God for things. But understand that if we ask in Jesus' name, that's different than just asking. You know, like I told you before, I had that pony back when I was a kid. I still don't have that pony. I don't know that I needed that pony. But we ask. And in that relationship of talking, of listening, of asking, we begin to do something more than a formula. We begin to form a relationship. So why does Paul add then thanksgiving? We, we, we pray, we ask, and we give thanks. Why, why is that in there? Because giving thanks reminds us that God has been at work, that God gives us good gifts every day. How many of you have thought about how many breaths you've taken since I started talking? I know it seems like a lot, right? Not once did I have to think about breathing. Not once did I have to think about how that my body would take that oxygen and, and circulate it and give me strength in my limbs, uh, enable me to think, to speak, to work, uh, to do all these things. Not once have I had to think about that. But when I do stop and think about it, I marvel at a God who could make a human being and a universe that can handle all of this and knows what to do without even thinking about it. And it makes me think, how many other times do I take things for granted I don't even think about that God's at work in? So here's what Paul is, is hoping that we'll do with this prayer and petition. We begin to talk and listen to God. It's like any other relationship. If you want to, to solidify and go deeper in a relationship, you wouldn't follow a formula. It's like, okay, prayer plus petition plus Thanksgiving. I must do this. Uh, with my spouse or with my children, and then everything will work out. That would be ridiculous. No one would think that that would work. So the answer is not a formula. It's a relationship. And so when that relationship becomes centered in God and not through us, that's where things begin to change. Watch what happens. Now, notice we have not left the same world, the same world that will buffet us about, that will shake us, that will try to splinter us, but watch what happens when that general pressure gets applied. Hmm. We automatically become back to one. Let's say it's something really big comes through and just blasts us. Yeah, we'll get buffeted about a little bit because this world is a fallen world and it's not perfect. But as long as I hold on to God up here, this relationship, watch what happens. Effortless, effortlessly, which is a lot easier than it is to say, we come back to that center. And 
no matter how much we get nudged and how much we get pushed, and, and believe me, this world will push us to some pretty far extremes, but it can't outlast the relationship with God. And when that we get past that thing, whatever that thing is, what is that thing for you? Is it coronavirus? Is it looking for a job? Is it a relationship struggle? Is it a parenting struggle? What, what is it? At some point, you'll get past that. And if we are grounded and rooted in God because of prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, we will return to one. We will be at one again. Irene, God's peace. This is a peace that passes understanding. There's nothing that can take it away. There's nothing that can give it either, except for this relationship as found in God. Here's the last thing I want to say about this. A lot of times we struggle uh, because we make ourselves struggle, right? That we were trying to prop up so many things. And so if that thing does not give us peace and we are propping it up, we're actually a guilty party to our lack of peace. So as we prop up this misalignment, whatever that is, maybe it's something that we're harboring in our spirit. Uh, maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's a bitterness that we haven't let go of. Uh, maybe it's a need to find status and meaning in something other than God. I, you probably, if you thought about it, could come up with something. But as we prop this thing up of our own will and our own strength, we're culprits to being having a lack of peace. Maybe it's time to let go of that. Stop propping it up and let go. They often say, let go and let God. Here's an example of that. When we let go and we stop propping up, Look at what God does. The waves settle, the baffle settles down, and we are at one again, and we are at peace. That's how Paul can be beaten and left for dead. That's how Paul can be held in prison, but he's not looking at prison. He's looking at his relationship with God. That's how Paul can explain to other people and how Paul can write words like God's peace that passes understanding in the midst of a prison cell because he is at one with the Father. So how do we make this a part of our lives? How can we become people who experience a peace that passes understanding? Well, I've got a little homework for you, and I can already hear the groans because you're thinking, oh, last thing I need is more online homework. This is for everyone, and, and this is what it will take to become that person who experiences a peace that passes understanding. So let's look at some action steps that you can take. Here's the first one. Make a list of all the things that splinter you. So you probably know what they are. There, there are things that pull you away from that relationship with God. There are things that pull your focus, your time, your efforts away from God. Make a list of those things. Now, why am I doing that? Well, what do I do with this list? Well, here's the thing. Write down each time that those things surface when you experience it. Let's say... Um, busyness is a thing for me. I have to stay busy or I don't feel like I've made any progress or I'm not important. So every time I get caught up in that busyness trap and I find that I've forgotten God, I write down the circumstances and I write down the thing that happened that caused that to happen. And here's what we tell people in the, in the, the Xena project, the, the nonprofit I work with, with veterans is that we want you to learn these triggers and, and these triggers are uh, recognizable. If you backtrack, if you write this down and you backtrack, you can find some point where you kind of got knocked off center there, right? 
and, and you tried to fix it or you actually propped it up and tried to hold on to it. And the, the reason that we write these down is so that we can backtrack that story and find that point of departure where we were one and then all of a sudden we weren't one. And why do we do that? Because if we can stop it right when it happens, we don't have to experience these wild fluctuations back and forth and this sense of unrest and anxiety and anxiousness. Remember how Paul started this all? Be anxious about what? Nothing. Because we take everything to God. So if we can go back and learn the triggers and recognize them when they're happening, we get much less wobble. We get much less off-center. We experience much more peace. So write down each time they surface and learn what the triggers are. And then finally, pick one thing that you'll do throughout the month of September that's coming up that will help build your relationship with God. Now, the reason I capitalized relationship is that this isn't just knowing more about God. This is attempting to know God. Now, I know that sounds like a risky venture, right? How could I possibly know God? I'm not saying that we'll know God completely, but I'm saying know God in the sense of a relationship. So, for example, the one thing I'm going to do in September is I'm going to read Scripture. Well, great, uh, but make sure that as you read Scripture, you do it so that you understand the relationship with God, the, the God who loves us, the God who calls us and guides us, not so that you can quote interesting facts about when something happened or whose name was what or that kind of thing. Although that can be helpful, it's really not the main goal. It's not the one thing. The one thing is to establish that relationship. And maybe the one thing that you're going to do in September is to pray. So rather than focus on the style of prayer and making sure you covered all the bases, spend time talking to God. Spend time listening to God. Look for that relationship to be solidified. Pursue that relationship like it's the most important thing in the world because it is. And when we forget that, we get pushed off of our center. We experience no peace. And what's worse, we can even be carriers of this contagion of a lack of peace. Of course, the other side is there's good news as well. If we experience that deep peace and we pass that on, then we create other people of deep peace because of their faith in God, not in us, but we've pointed them in the right direction. We've encouraged them. We've lifted them up. We've prayed for them so that they too can experience the peace that passes understanding. It's all about the relationship. See, I was right when I said at the beginning that this formula does not work. And here's why. It was never meant to be a formula. It was meant to be a relationship. See, it turns out that God's peace is about centering, not splintering. Will you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for the example of your son, Jesus Christ, who came down to a world of chaos, of hatred, of violence, false accusations, abandonment, torture, and even death. In the midst of it, he was able to stay focused on the Father. He was able to display to the world what it is to be a person of peace, and a peace that passes understanding, a peace that guarded his heart and his mind, so that he now will guard our hearts and minds as we focus on that perfect peace, on that oneness with you. God, this is hard for us because there are so many things competing for our attention. 
but I pray that you would speak to our hearts today in a way that burns through all the confusion, all the splinters, and make us one again with you. Pour out your Holy Spirit and give us that clear focus. Give us a heart's desire to be one with you above anything else so that we too might experience God's peace, the peace that passes understanding. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.